0: What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show over at Slabstocks. I'm your host, Sam. Today is the very last episode of Sam Dunks. So I'm just gonna cover a variety of random topics that I've been thinking about, and then I'll close the episode explaining why this is my last show, on the off chance that you're interested in that. Let's jump right into it. Couple of years ago, when I started here at Slab Stocks, Aaron told me that I needed a name for my show. I just wanted to do the Slab Stocks basketball show, but Aaron suggested Sam's Slams, which was going to be a mouthful to say. I didn't want to say that every week, so I went with Sam Donks instead. Well, in honor of Aaron, today I'm going to be doing Sam's Slams, just a bunch of random player evaluations and predictions. So first up, let's talk about Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. Sam Slams. The Hawks are off to a slow and disappointing start to the season. Sitting at 8-9, the Hawks have won four straight games, but that came on the heels of losing six straight, and the four wins came against an injury-riddled Bucks team, an injury-riddled Celtics team, also against a Charlotte team that was playing for the second night straight, and against the Orlando Magic, so not really enough to help us forget the slow start, but hey, you know, win the games that you're supposed to, that's always important to do. So it's not been the type of season that most expected out of an Atlanta team coming off an Eastern Conference Finals appearance. The results of the disappointing start can be seen visibly in Trey Young's Prism Silver PSA 10 rookie card market. Over the past month, this card is down 36.5%. Expanding that bit a bit to the six-month view, we see a nice buildup from August to the middle of October in anticipation of the new season, which is to be expected. And then once that season started, well, all the disappointment from there led to a rapid decline in value. Now, individually, Trey had a rough start to the season. Through the season's first nine games, he was averaging 22.5 points with nine assists and a steal on the side, while shooting only 41% from the field overall and only 25.5% from downtown pretty ugly. Uh, There was a lot of deserved discussion around the new foul rules affecting his game, perhaps, and I think that was probably true and probably still is true. He's only averaging five and a half free throw attempts per game, by far his lowest average attempt since his rookie year, but he has gotten better and he's nearly returned to last year's averages over the past eight games. In that span of time, he's shot 48% from the field overall and 44% from three-point range on over eight attempts per game, bringing his scoring average to just over 27 points per game on the season alongside those same nine assists and steal per every single game. Even so, the Hawks are still below 500 and just not looking like the team that tore through the league after Nate McMillan took over at the helm last March. Now, it's ironic, after McMillan took over due to Lloyd Pierce's firing, uh, the Hawks went 27-11 to close out last season, after going 14-20 with Pierce at the helm to start the season. Of course, when you take over a team mid-season, there's not really much time to install any new systems into place. It uh, didn't matter, though, because the Hawks were rejuvenated under the coaching change. Full offseason now under McMillan's belt, his preferred offensive and defensive structures in place. Now the Hawks are, again, below 500 on a team built around outside shooting, and then two rim-running bigs. The Hawks have attempted the third-fewest number of shots at the rim and from three, which, as you know, are the two highest percentage shots in the game, and instead they've been focusing on the mid-range, nearly pacing the league in mid-range attempts. Even so, the Hawks do have the sixth-best offensive rating in the league, but it's just not enough to overcome their pitiful 27th-ranked defense. I'm not sure there's much that they can do to change the defensive narrative. You know, there's just so many non-factors on that side of the ball on the roster. It's going to be really hard to improve the defense. The only way that I can figure to improve the team is to jettison their mid-range heavy offense, which isn't suitable to their roster, by the way. And hey, it's actually the same exact offensive system that got McMillan fired by Indiana just a few years ago. Uh, They could just look at the Utah Jazz, for instance, a team that currently has the best offense in the league. Looking at the Jazz, 48% of their shot attempts come from three-point range, 43% come within 10 feet of the hoop, and only 8.1% of their attempts come anywhere in between. Compare that with the Hawks, for whom 36% of their shot attempts come from three, just under 40% come from within 10 feet of the rim, and just about 24% of their shot attempts come in that inefficient mid-range area. If they started tailoring their offensive profile, not only to make it more similar to the Jazz, but also suiting their own roster construction, the Hawks could be one of the top two offenses in the league and overcome their defensive deficiencies. I don't know if that's going to happen but as it stands trey young has started playing a lot better than his card market would indicate and if the hawks turned it around i would expect his market to rebound next up let's take a look at kevin durant sam slams if the season ended today Stephen curry would probably be the league mvp but kevin durant would be nipping right at his heels kd is having one of his best seasons in a long time he's averaging 28 and a half points eight rebounds and five assists per game while shooting nearly 43% from deep on almost five three-point attempts per game. And he's also shooting an obscene 62% from the field by effective field goal percentage. Just ruthless efficiency from the 33-year-old. For several years, Durant has been highly effective, but also seemingly always deferring to someone else on his rosters. With the Warriors, he obviously didn't need to dominate the ball with Curry and Klay Thompson beside him. Then last year, he spent much of the year kind of deferring to Kyrie Irving and James Harden as they tried to get up to speed together. That all changed in the playoffs when he essentially became a one-man offensive band and nearly willed the Nets into the Eastern Conference Finals. And that tenacity that, you know, I'm the best player on the court and I can get my shot wherever I want, whenever I want mentality, it's really carried over into the season and he's just been phenomenal so far. There's just... It really hasn't been reflected on his sports card market. Looking at his 2007 Topps Chrome PSA 10 rookie card, over the past month it's down 25% overall. The most recent auction came in at $3,450, its lowest point since the beginning of the offseason. Looking at the six-month chart, we see it soaring up in the $6,500 range during the playoff matchup against the Bucks, and it hasn't recovered to that price since. Now, there was the nice preseason buildup in anticipation of the Nets' suit new season, but when the Nets sputtered a bit out of the gate, his prices took a hit. The Nets have looked much better over the last 10 games, and currently they sit tied for the lead in the Eastern Conference at 12-5, and but seemingly no card market notice has been given towards Kevin Durant. Now, I do wonder if you know, media coverage is kind of affecting these prices quite a bit. Now, there's not really any way to quantify this that I know of anyways, but so much of the Nets coverage this year has revolved around Kevin Durant's teammates. You know, first there was the Kyrie Irving, you know, vaccine stuff, you know, that storyline carried on for quite some time. Then the talk shifted to James Harden's struggles in the new season, averaging his lowest scoring output since 2012, and seemingly also struggling with the new foul rules, among other things. And we all know that That's just how the media works. It's always a lot easier to tell a negative story than it is to spin a positive story, which is too bad because Kevin Durant's season so far has been one of the biggest positive storylines in the league. So it kind of seems inevitable to me that the coverage will eventually start to swish as we get further on into the season. And when Kevin Durant is the leading vote-getter in the Eastern Conference for the All-Star game, and as MVP talk starts to heat up and he's right there near the top, as the Nets continue to sit towards the top of the standings, it seems that most people will realize that it doesn't really matter what's going on with Harden or Irving, all that matters in Brooklyn is Kevin Durant. If you can afford Kevin Durant rookies and are looking to buy in, I think now has to be the time to do so. Seeing that at this moment, we have what amounts to a second off-season buying opportunity right here with us a month into the season. Next up, Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart. Sam Slams! Did you see Isaiah Stewart last night? If you didn't, just Google Isaiah Stewart right now and watch the video. LeBron absolutely mugged him straight in his face, and Stewart didn't take too kindly to it, and he spent the next 10 minutes trying to fend off 40 people standing between him and LeBron. Now, we've seen friction in the past between LeBron and others, you know, usually pretty tame though, you know, like Lance Stevenson blowing in his ear, Montrez Harrell dancing on the court. But we've never seen anyone looking to tear the head off of LeBron James like Isaiah Stewart was last night. And I don't blame him, he was gushing blood out of seemingly multiple places. He had to get eight stitches after the game. He even took off sprinting into the tunnel, seemingly to try to find LeBron after LeBron was ejected. You know, Maybe not the best reaction in the world, but I also kind of love the emotion. Uh, Stewart's probably never going to be much more than a high-energy big man. He's not the stretchiest shooter. He shot 33% from downtown on less than one attempt per game last season. Uh, When the Pistons gave him the green light from deep over the last 10 games of the season, he attempted 35 three-pointers, but he shot only about 26% of those attempts. Uh, Even when he is shooting, he's typically being left wide open, so he's not really stretching anything at all. On top of that, he's six foot eight inches, he's built like a tank, plays seemingly really good defense, but he's not a very effective rim defender. He's very undersized at the center position, just doesn't have that verticality. So the most likely path forward for him is as a high-energy big man, which maybe not the, the greatest upside prototype of a player, but it is fun to root for. And, and you see that with the way that Pistons fans rally around the guy they lovingly call Beef Stew. In only his second year. He's quickly become a fan favorite, and I expect he'll always be a fan favorite, no matter where he is. I wouldn't say that you should buy Isaiah Stewart rookies if you want to make a bunch of money, but if you want to love your collection more, then I absolutely would buy them. Plus, the Lakers and the Pistons play again this Sunday, and I'll absolutely be watching with interest to see uh, if anything else happens between LeBron and Isaiah Stewart. Speaking of that whole fight, let's talk about Cade Cunningham. Sam I really admired Cunningham through that whole fight because regardless of where Stewart was on the floor and you know, with all the blood gushing out of his face, it was always Cade that was holding him back, trying to calm him down, which is exactly what you want your team leader to be doing. Uh, Cade, he had a horrifically awful shooting start to his season. He went 1-for-21 from downtown and 7-for-39 from the field through his first three games. Since that point, he hasn't been awesome, but he's certainly been much better. Over his last eight games, he's shooting 32% from three-point range and 40% from the field. Uh, still pretty bad, but relatively much better than he had been. Last night against the Lakers, he recorded his first career triple-double with 13 points, 12 rebounds, and 10 assists. And on the season, he is averaging 14 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 4.5 assists. Over his last four games, he's up to 18.3 points, 7.5 assists, and 8.5 rebounds. So while he's only been fine so far he has been getting better it's you know, something to monitor moving forward especially if prism ever gets released uh, cade's probably gonna have a very good career as an all-around type of contributor and the pistons are going to be able to add another very high-end draft choice alongside him next season they're building a fun young core there in the motor city and i'd probably be trying to buy in right now on the ground floor if i were you speaking of rookies couple other guys jumping out to hot starts for you to mark down as buys whenever the time comes that's Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley. Sam Slams! There's not much to say about them that you don't already know since they've been widely covered by the NBA media but both of them just took on huge roles on their teams early on and the results have been extremely promising. Super versatile just really good two-way players. Their ceilings are very high. I'm super excited for both their careers. Lastly, let's talk about De'Aaron Fox. Sam Slams! You probably saw it the other day, but a Kings fan sitting courtside delayed the game after puking on the court. And honestly, that should probably have happened at every single Kings home game since the mid-aughts. The very next day, Luke Walton was shown the door. He was fired. Another thing that probably should have happened already by this point. After subbing in for Steve Kerr and leading the Warriors to a 13-2 record over 15 games back in 2016, a record which had much more to do with Stephen Curry and little to do with Walton, uh, the son of Bill parlayed that brief coaching tenure into three losing seasons at the helm of the Lakers, and then two losing seasons and change at the helm of the Sacramento Kings. There's not really been any evidence of Luke Walton being a good NBA coach, and that's just really too bad because De'Aaron Fox has spent the seasons in which he should have been making the leap to superstardom floundering around in Luke Walton's schemes. Now, De'Aaron Fox clearly is not without his warts. Uh, this season he has struggled as he's played off ball more than ever before uh, since he is sharing the backcourt with Tyrese Halliburton and Davian Mitchell and he's never been a prolific shooter so his averages, they're down across the board. He's currently sitting at just under 20 points and six assists per game. You know, Back when, when he enjoyed a Ja Morant type of offensive load, he was great. But he's just not really suited for his current role which maybe could change over time but he's not there yet he's only 23 years old and two things with fox to monitor moving forward is will the kings seek to trade him you know when you make a major organizational organizational change it's pretty logical to consider the direction of the franchise and since the kings just spent their last two first round picks on point guards That makes sense that they might want to put the ball in Halliburton and Mitchell's hands full-time moving forward. So a change of scenery could be good for De'Aaron Fox. The other thing to watch would be if the Kings are rejuvenated by the firing of Walton. That just frequently happens in sports, and so maybe we'll see Fox rebound in a big way from this point on. In any case, Fox's stock is probably the lowest it's been since he entered the league, and even though he's in his fifth season he is still only 23 years old, theoretically, meaning that he has a lot of growth left in front of him. Uh, so just another interesting player to monitor. And that's the last player that I'm gonna be covering for Slabstocks. If you don't care about why I'm leaving, I don't blame you. That would mean it's time to close the video right now. Uh, otherwise, stick around uh, for, you know, for me, I joined Slab Sox a couple of years ago because I really wanted to help Nathan and Aaron out. There was only so many times that I could stand idly by and see them recommending Marvin Bagley as a buy before I knew I needed to step in and you know, try to bring whatever credibility I could to the Slab Sox basketball coverage. Uh, Nathan, or as you might know him, Slab Sox Nate, he's my baby brother. And with Slab Sox he's been able to do what he loves. Watch baseball, talk baseball, buy baseball cards. Aaron grew up across the street from us. I used to babysit him and his younger brother when they were younger, and I really wanted to try to help both of them continue doing this for as long as they could. So I figured I could man the basketball coverage at least, and that could be my contribution. I knew I wouldn't be able to do this forever, but I wanted to do it as long as I could, you know, do whatever I could to help put them in a position to keep the card content up long-term. Now they've obviously been you know, just both awesome at what they do. Now they're positioned well in the community, uh, they can keep on going as long as they want as far as I'm concerned which is just awesome for me to see and it helps me feel okay stepping away. As for me, I'm a pastor. That's my full-time job. I'm the lone pastor in a small congregation in Florida. And that carries with it a lot of responsibility, requires a lot of my time, And more responsibilities have been added to my plate over the past couple of years. Uh, That's my calling in life. I'm happy to do it. I don't want to drop any of those responsibilities. I also have a wife and three sons to take care of. Boy number four is on the way in March. And the clock was quickly ticking on the time that I had available for slab stocks and for Sam Dunks. So the time just came for me to hang up the mic and call it quits. That's all it is. Uh, nate and aaron have been super great in being flexible with what's usually a very busy schedule for me and and they were a super understanding of me having to walk away because they knew the reality of my other job they knew that my time was limited and so i i want to thank both nathan and aaron for allowing me to join the team and giving me free reign over the basketball content at slab stocks it's been a ton of fun i also want to thank you for watching my videos it just means a ton to me that you, that you all took out the time of your data watch me an, an idiot like myself talk about basketball and basketball cards. I've often tried to avoid reading the comments because you know, I couldn't really imagine just not absolutely getting roasted in the comment section week after week and I didn't really want to spend my time reading that. Uh, but when I went to the National this summer it's uh, just very humbling to be able to meet a, a lot of you in person and talk basketball and, and here's some appreciation for my work. You know I, I don't want to overrate my work like my videos are some groundbreaking content in fact i was kind of hoping to just irish goodbye today and disappear into obscurity but it's really nice to work hard on a video and then to hear from people either in person or in my instagram dms that they appreciated what i did so i did want to take out the time to thank you all for that it's just been a ton of fun for me and i'm I'm very very grateful for a good two-year run and that's all i have for you today um thanks again for your time. I'm still going to be buying basketball cards. I'm still going to be watching basketball. I'm going to be hanging out on Instagram. So if you ever want to reach out to my DMs, feel free to do so at any time. Maybe I'll be joining Nate and Aaron and live from time to time in the future, but I will not see you next week. So uh, have a good one. Thank you very much.